You're listening to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. Welcome to Blood on the Tracks, an exploration and celebration of film soundtracks and scores. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and this is episode 60. Wow, we're there, 60. I don't know if that's actually a milestone or not. I don't know how many uh, years I've been doing this now, this show. I didn't go back and check, but we are at the last show of this year, 2022. I was originally going to have something a bit more special planned for this show, but... I ran out of time. October was super busy, of course. Didn't have to do one of these shows in October because of uh, Lee Van Halloween show. But I still got busy with extra podcast stuff. And November proved to be just as busy as October, even though I was hoping it wouldn't be. So I had to kind of just cobble together a easier list to do for this episode to sort of uh, end off the year here. I think there's still a pretty good playlist of interesting stuff here. I think maybe a couple of these things have popped up on other episodes, but for the most part, there's a lot of original stuff here that hasn't been on the show before. And this is basically just going to be a playlist comprised of recent watches of mine that were either private for, you know, either for just my own personal enjoyment or for podcast appearances and stuff that I've screened in the last month or so with uh, friends. Uh, I've been doing a lot of that lately. Been going through some interesting films and sort of showing my uh, my friends who are not necessarily movie nerds uh, to the level that I am uh, stuff that they've never heard of or seen, and a couple things they have heard of and wanted to do too. There's there's a couple of those on this list as well. But yeah, twelve tracks I believe is is what we got going on here. So. Who knows, we, we might make it to the hour, we might not. Depends on how much blabbing I can do in this episode. But we'll get on to our first few tracks here. And we're going to start out with Blackula from 1972. I uh, screened this for some friends in October, and it went over like gangbusters. Blackula is just an incredibly enjoyable film. And um, yeah, no surprise there. But we've got The Call from Blackula. And uh, this is done by Gene Page, American conductor, composer, arranger, and record producer. He had four solo albums to his own credit, and uh, he did some film composing. Not a lot, but he, he did a good little amount of it in basically the 70s, early 80s. Uh, main composer for Brewster McCloud, uh, Penny Ante, the motion picture. He did uh, arranging on stuff like Trouble Man, Cool Breeze, and the uh, Together Brothers. Another one from Blackula, and this is There He Is Again from Blackula, and this is by the Hughes Corporation, which was the soul trio that sort of operated in, I think, 69 to 79, something like that. There was about a 10-year span that they were putting out stuff. Their biggest hit, of course, is Rock the Boat, and they just had a bunch of other basically solid stuff that... I honestly don't know how well they charted. They feel like they're a bit of a one-hit wonder that had, you know, a career that kind of lived off of that hit, which is how it 
tends to happen sometimes. And finally, we have two tracks from Messiah of Evil from 1973. Uh, we got the opening theme, and this is by Fillion Bishop, and he didn't do a lot. He died really early, too, like age 43 or something like that, uh, unfortunately. But he did do a, a handful of films in the 70s, well, a trio of films, actually. He did this, Messiah of Evil. He did Kiss of the Tarantula from 75 and The Severed Arm from 73. And uh, the interesting thing with Fillion Bishop is he's kind of a pioneer of scoring films with uh, electronic music. Very early example of this kind of going on before it really sort of took off as the everyday commonplace thing to do for film scores in the 70s. That's really, you know, where it ramped up, where you had your Tangerine Dreams and the like uh, all of a sudden showing up and doing this. Um, he was kind of one of the first guys to do it, and his stuff is definitely different than, like, say, a Tangerine Dream. His stuff sounds more like video game music almost in a to a certain extent compared to the more sort of refined soundscapes that like a, a tangerine dream would do or evangelis uh, you know something along those lines and moving on again from messiah of evil we have ron mckinnon i think i'm pronouncing her name correctly it's r-a-u-n so i might be mistaken here ron raun mckinnon i, I don't know uh, maybe it's Rain McKinnon. Maybe it's some weird pronunciation of Rain. I don't even know. She's uh, Ron McKinnon Burnham now. She was a folk artist. She did six albums that I can tell. And uh, she actually has a blog, although she hasn't written in it in, since 2019. But she has like a, an official website with a blog on it and all that stuff. And I just quickly checked her out. But yeah, she's she's singing Hold On to Love here. And that's kind of the, the song that plays in the credits and the uh, end credits. And uh, yeah, it's a little little haunting, a little little off kilter. And just kind of helps with the atmosphere of the film itself which is very haunting and off kilter and uh, i just recently did a stint on the excellent solid six podcast where we covered messiah of evil i would urge you people listening to go check that out solid six podcast great stuff after that we'll be back with our next block of songs
songs for you now that will run out this half of the show. First up, Assault on Precinct 13, the main title from that. Uh, John Carpenter. What else is there to say? I screened it with friends. They wanted to see it. They've been wanting to see it for a while and they loved it. I think they loved it even more than they thought they were going to, quite frankly. And I mean, that's still a banger of a film. That's just a great little action suspense film with the sort of siege narrative thing going on. And it's also just like really mean ass John Carpenter, who's like blowing away little kids who want ice cream and stuff like that. Right. Moving on. We've got the song San Antone from Denny Brooks. And this is from Rolling Thunder from 1977. Denny Brooks was a singer, guitarist and a voiceover artist. He's probably most known as having worked with John Denver as a background singer and guitarist. And he did his own solo stuff as well. Uh, San Antone is an example of that. It also popped up in the Ninth Configuration. And some of his other stuff um, has popped up in Breaker Breaker. Uh, he actually did the theme song for that film. Death Machines and Mustang Country. Moving on, we have two picks from Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Another screening that my friends requested, kind of, and I obliged them. We did this in October as well. Uh, we got the main title in The Reckoning from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and this is by Denny Zeitlin, American jazz pianist, composer, and clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of California in San Francisco. He also did some music for Sesame Street, so go figure. This is his only film score that he did. I guess the, the work was so... He found the work so difficult that he just turned down any other offers he got. And he, apparently he got a shit ton of them after people heard the score, too. And I'm not surprised, because it's one of the more iconic horror sci-fi scores of, well, any decade, really. And that will do it for this half of the show. And we will be back after a quick break.
ungodly warlock. Hello there. My name is Matt, and I'm a humble court bailiff in a courtroom designed to bring musical justice to all. Each week, we have a podcast with a judge and a jury, and we determine whether a song is guilty, not guilty, or not guilty by reasons of insanity. You know, something like, uh... Or maybe it's a cover of Tom Petty. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Just look for songs on trial, please. Okay, I love you. Make good choices. You ungodly warlock. We are back for the second half of the show. We have fewer tracks this time out and only three movies being covered here, really. So I'm going to do all the talking up front and uh, get them all out in one block. And you guys can just enjoy the wall of music for the second half of the show, basically, without me interrupting. We're going to start off, and uh, these first two films here, these are stuff I screened as well for friends in the last month or so. Starting off, we got The Boogeyman from 1980. This is the Yuli Lamal Boogeyman, and this is the opening theme. This is done by someone called Tim Krog, or Krog. I'm just going to say Krog. Assume it's Krog. Krog studied film scoring in UCLA, and apparently has created music for radio and television, but I cannot tell you what he's worked on. I can tell you the only other film he's worked on is Boogeyman 2, and it's been so long since I've seen Boogeyman 2, and I do remember it not being good, but I can't remember if it's just a case of, hey... Yuli Lamal is just going to reuse Tim Krogh's score from the first one, and instead of, you know, getting him to do another original score. But maybe that's not the case. I don't know. Uh, I'm not interested in watching Boogeyman 2 ever again to discover if that is the case or not. But uh, there you go. Screen this for friends, and they quite liked it. Boogeyman is kind of neat. It, it's a little bit derivative of Halloween, but it's got its own thing going on. And um, it's got some good gore moments and kills, and it's also a bit ridiculous, so it's, it's a very entertaining watch. Moving on from that, we have the other movie I screened, Battle Beyond the Stars from 1980, the Roger Corman-produced version of basically The Seventh Samurai, but in outer space. And of course you got like John Saxon as the evil alien overlord try to take over different planets and the, and the like and then you got all these uh, desperate uh, warriors who are brought together to uh, fight John Saxon blue John Saxon I mean it, it's it's a incredibly entertaining film it's it's done on the cheap but it looks really good the score is fucking amazing and like the special effects in this are so good that basically Corman just decided, hey, you got a movie you want to make that's in outer space, you can just steal scenes from this, and we can, you know, we can do that movie on the cheap, because we don't have to do new scenes. Uh, it's a great little thing to do. But yeah, we have main title, The Battle Begins, and Destruction of Hammerhead from A Battle Beyond the Stars, and uh, these are all done by our friend James Horner, who has popped up more often than not on this show, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, but this is one of his better scores. This is actually really, really good uh, all the way through. Very, very well done score. Um, this is kind of, I think we're still at, at the point before James Horner kind of became like 
I'm just going to do the James Horner thing. As in, I'm going to do the same thing over and over again. And I, I'm being a little dismissive, of course. I'm kind of joking around a little bit. But, I mean, he kind of did. Uh, and that's fine. But, yeah, no, the score is great. It's it's a it's a really fun movie, fun performances. Everything is it. It all just comes together. And then we're going to end off with the main title from the challenge from 1982. This is a what, John Frankenheimer film starring Scott Glenn. It's got Toshiro Mifune, and it's fucking crazy pants. In a, in some ways, it's a an action film where the action hero gets his ass kicked often. Scott Glenn's is this kind of prejudiced white guy with a chip on his shoulder who's like a prize fighter. So he knows how to fight a little bit, but he gets in over his head in Japan trying to transport this ancient sword uh, back home. And uh, some mobsters and one half of a pair of feuding brothers who wants both swords. It's part of a set. He's going after him. And Scott Glenn gets his ass kicked several times before he finally wises up and stops being a piece of shit. And uh, I like that in an action movie. I like an action hero who's flawed, who can have his ass handed to him multiple times. And he only really wins out in the end because he's slightly luckier and he's also maybe just a bit tougher than the guys he's fighting. And it, it, that just kind of sees him through. I like that. It feels a bit more realistic than just being the ubermensch who can just beat the fuck out of anyone like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, right? But yeah, the score for this was done by Jerry Goldsmith. So there we go. Jerry Goldsmith, who's been on the show before, I'm pretty sure that he has to have been. I was checking his filmography. And I was like, yeah, we've done that, right? We had Inner Space, I think we've had on the show before, and some other things. But I mean, and Jerry Goldsmith has just kind of done the soundtrack of anyone who's born in the last 40 years' lives. Like, kind of, right? This is just kind of a thing. But yeah, that's the end of the show. That's the last show for the year. 2022 is in the books, and I look forward to continuing the show in 2023 and doing some uh, interesting stuff. I, we still got the uh, little series that's going to be uh, continuously done here and there on unused scores. So uh, that'll be fun. I'm going to definitely going to do a couple more episodes of that sometime next year. Might even be the next episode. The first episode of 2023 might be another entry into that series. But until then, Happy New Year. We will see you in the new year. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Blood on the Tracks. For further or previous episodes of this program, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Oh, 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 oh,